Today, Sally Lucas is going to take us to some more places we might like to dream about visiting. That's right, isn't it, Sally? That certainly is. Japan is one area and Mallorca. And we're looking at particular places in, in each those one areas. Of these. So, yes. something you might want to add to your bucket list. And uh, we'll also take a look at some other things that actually are happening around the world of travel and that are possible for us to do today. To NURFM's Talking Travel, Sally Lucas. We've got some nice dreaming to do at the moment, holiday dreaming. Where are we off to this time? This time we're heading to Japan, to a city called Takamatsu. And if it is, um, they call it an area of pure serenity because it's got this beautiful koi pond in a garden called the Ritsurin Garden. And well, the special thing about Japan is that there is a very calming influence in a lot of yes. a lot of the decorations, if you like, what yes. people have done there. Beautiful things. And you can enter a tea house to watch an ancient a ceremony there. Sorry, not cemetery. Good heavens. An ancient ceremony. Um, and it's got endless miles of lush and landscape countryside and a views of the Pacific. And you've got a, a Japanese history there at a nearby Shikoko village and the wonderful flavours of the freshest sushi you can find. So so it's actually a port city on Japan's Shikoku Island. And as I said, it is known for this beautiful Ritsuren Garden, um, which has got landscape hills, pine forests, as we mentioned, koi ponds, tea house, etc. Um, to the east of it, they've got Mount Yashima, which has got the Yashima G Temple, which offers panoramic views over the Sito Inland Sea. And as I said, at the Shikoku Village, it's an open-air museum with a collection of historical buildings from around the island. And to the south is the wonderful, which they have in Japan, of course, hot springs, which are just beautiful. Um, you can take a train from uh, Okayama across to Takamatsu, and Okayama's about halfway between Kobe and Hiroshima, so southwest of, of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a lovely place, a very, as you say, calming, very peaceful place to include in your itinerary. And of course, Hiroshima in itself is, is such an interesting place to go to as well. Mm. Um, but anywhere in that southern area, is, is some beautiful areas in that southern region of Japan. And of course, just the, the temples and you know everything they have there is it's says it, it um, exudes this calmness and peace and serenity when you think Tokyo is one of the largest cities in the world, but here you can come down, you and, know. And find peace. And find yeah. peace. So it really is if you're thinking of somewhere to go, you know, a lot of the country areas, countryside areas out of Tokyo have just got some beautiful things, you know, to offer, as so, well as, as I said, the wonderful hot springs and all that as well. Yes, and beautiful scenery, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the town again or the place? Uh, Takamatsu. T-A-K-A-M-A-T-S-U, Takamatsu. Mm. So, and it's got lovely beaches there as well. There's some photos here, you know, quite, quite lovely beaches, which you, you don't, you know, think of so much with Japan, do we? Um, mm. But there are, even on some of the other islands I've looked at, in, it's got some lovely little beach areas that you can go to that mm. are quite like coves, like really uh, lovely and, and protected. And, yeah, so you could even, if you're right there at the right time of the year, of course, you'd go for a nice little swim while you're there as well. <laughs> yes, yes, you would want the right time of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so where are we off to next? Next we're off to Mallorca in Spain. And this is a place called Cala, C-A-L-A, or D apostrophe O R. So again, it's uh, an easygoing alternative, if you like, to the more uh, busy, popular resort destinations of Mallorca. Uh, we've got lovely uh, sandy bays again here, and 
it's just a very, very relaxed destination, cobbled streets, whitewashed buildings. And, of course, if you're going there in once you're there in the um, summer months, or even early, late spring months, you've got the extended lovely you know, daylight hours, of course, where you can have plenty of time exploring and or having a late swim or a walk along the beach or something. So it's an area on the southeast coast of Mallorca, um, and it's really renowned for its yacht marina. Um, and it looks quite special when I've had a look at that as well. The shores are dotted with pine fringe coves, including the maiden beach called Carla Gran. And on a hilltop to the north, there's a medieval castle called Santueri. And it overlooks another village called Sorta Village and the coastline. To the southwest, you've got a beautiful natural park, which is rich in bird life, including shags and ospreys and all those gorgeous sea seabirds as well. And it looks very quaint. And again, these private, protected, lovely little coves and bays you can swim in and a very easygoing, um, more relaxed vibe to going to some of the busier destinations, like you know, if you went to Ibiza, for example, or somewhere like that, that are really big party islands, you know, or destinations. So this would give you an alternative to mm-hmm. still be in a, in a lovely destination, but in a more relaxed easygoing alternative. And I see that Carla Dor actually means Golden Bay. Yeah, well, I knew the door would be golden. I wasn't yes. sure about the the Carla. So thank you, Jane, for the translation. Yes. I knew the... Um, lovely golden sands. It's golden sands. And they do look lovely gold. They look very similar to ours, actually. Yes. Uh, yeah, ah, yeah, that's interesting. But no surf, or yes? Well, no surf on that island. Of course, we all know, though, that Port- Portugal and Spain have some fantastic surf they off do. that Atlantic coast, they you know, do. which yeah. is this is more, of course, southern. So you've got your, your calmer waters. Yes, but I must true. admit, I'd love to be over there when those big surfs running. I and mean, when you see it on TV with these crazy guys riding these monsters, I mean, my God. Well, they're astounding. Aren't they? Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Two NURFMs talking trees. We've been to some wonderful places today and we're going to find out about how to travel safely or, more specifically, where to travel safely, Sally Lucas. Exactly. Now, this has been done by a data firm called Numbeo and it's revealed the world's most crime-free destinations. And apparently there's none safer than Doha. Doha is the safest city in the world. It nudged out Abu Dhabi by 0.1 of a percent. So it was next. And also the Emirates had two other cities in the top 10, which was Dubai and Sharjah. So there you go. So elsewhere in the world, you had Taipei, um, Quebec City and Zurich, ranking from third to fifth respectively. Then you had Germany and Trieste in Italy and Eskisher in Turkey, rounded out the top 10 safest cities. Now, admittedly, I hadn't heard of that particular city or town in Turkey, so we've been doing a bit of um, Googling to see where it is. It's, it was it about three and a half hours um, southeast of Istanbul. Yes. And you go through another large town called Bursa, which looks a very attractive town as well. So, and yeah, it's quite interesting if you want to have a look at that and look at something different in Turkey. That's one to consider. Now, you'd probably say, well, how do we go? In Australia. Yes, how did we go? <laughs> well, in the top 20 in the world, the only town that came in was Canberra. Ah, uh, really? At 17. Um, now, the Doha, which was the safest, was 88.45 out of 100, they call it, and, and Canberra was 79.33, so quite a bit below, mm. really. But in between that, as I said, we had Taipei, Quebec, Zurich, uh, uh, Munich, Trieste, etc. Um, Bern in Switzerland came in at 12, Trondheim in Norway was 13, Basel in Switzerland, 15, uh, Tbilisi in Georgia, 17, and Hong Kong of all 
Mm-hmm. I guess, but I guess the protests aren't against us, are they? Yes. So it's safe for us to travel. I must admit, I've always felt fairly safe in Hong Kong, to be quite honest. Um, so Hong Kong, Ljubljana in Slovenia, and a place called Tartu in Estonia that rounded out the 20. Okay, so that's where to go if you want to feel safe. And in Australia, well, we are doing mainly our <laughs> travelling around here at the we moment. Are. We Canberra. can go to Canberra, so, you know, there you go. Newcastle was number 11. 11? Uh, out of 18. Out of 18. This is talking about Austra- the Australian Australian. Ones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Canberra was one, then Adelaide, and then they've thrown in New Zealand here as well. Wellington, three. Hobart, four. Sydney came in at fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brisbane, six. Christchurch, seven. Perth, eight. Gold Coast, nine. Melbourne, ten. Newcastle, 11. Auckland, 12. Wollongong, 13. Townsville, 14. Darwin, 15. Cairns, 16. Gosford, 17. Mm. And Port Moresby, surprise me, yeah. came in. But look at the difference. Canberra, 79.33. Port Moresby, 18.95. Mm, yes. So the safety is... A little different. So is, maybe is, they're just looking at the larger cities. Yeah, the larger cities in the countries yeah. around us at the moment. Yes. So, again, I think you would still have to be very, you know, cautious in parts of New Guinea. You do have to be careful in, in Port Moresby in particular. Yes. But um, you can do wonderful cruises around there now. So, you know, nudging into all those beautiful ports that you can't get to by any other means, which is the benefits of small ship cruising, which I'm sure a lot of us will be doing a lot more of in the future. Yeah, locally. Locally, mm. domestically, you know, the Pacific region, once that bubble opens up, hopefully next year, mm. you know, we'll be able to do all that sort of lovely stuff again. Sounds excellent. What now, dreams are made of. Talking travel, Sally Lucas, when we go right down south to that big white frozen continent, we <laughs> usually expect we're going to need a few weeks to get there. Exactly. But we and don't. Back. And back. We don't. But we don't. Tell and then me. because we can't anyway, even if we did, we can at least go there for a day. And look, some people might be enough for them anyway, just to say that they've flown over that wonderful white continent and experienced what, you know, even though you're not on the ground, you will still have magnificent vision of mm. of what to do on there. So there are a couple of departure dates for that. Um, Melbourne's no use to us at the moment, so whether that one will even go ahead, I suppose. I don't know. That's interesting, isn't it? I, mm. didn't, I haven't thought about that. But from Sydney, you've got the 22nd of November and again on the 21st of February. Mm-hmm. So they're the two dates that are more likely that you know we would be using from from here, of course. And your prices start at um, around about twelve hundred for your cheapest economy seat. The range is well all the way up to eight thousand if you want a business class deluxe. I mean, the seats are selling fast, as you can imagine, because mm. there's not a lot for people to do at the moment. So this is one thing you can. And it is on a beautiful dream liner, which so um, that's just wonderful as well. Each flight is twelve to fourteen hours, and they you do except for the cheap cheapest economy seat, Uh, you're allowed to get up and move around, but with every other tier as you move up through the different price levels, you'll be seated, whether it's aisle, middle, window, with separation as well, so not everyone won't be quite next to each other, and you rotate, so everyone gets to see from one side of the aircraft than the other and so on. Mm. You get wonderful um, sort of lectures on board as well about the Antarctic, and some wonderful food drinks etc as well so it just could be something that you might love to do considering you're probably saving so much money from not traveling you can afford to go and do something like this instead you certainly could perhaps yeah yeah and, um just looking ahead jane again we can't sort of look too much further 
head at Mm. the moment because everything is going to change on a day-to-day basis. But talking about the Antarctic, Pernod, that wonderful French cruising company, has got a beautiful new vessel in their fleet called the Le Commandant Charcot. And I think he was a very important explorer. And I can't remember whether it was a French explorer, it was the Arctic or the Antarctic, I can't quite remember, but it was named after him anyway. This is the world's first hybrid electric polar exploration ship. It's actually powered by liquefied natural gas and it's specially designed to navigate remote and little visited regions of both the poles. So you're getting this wonderful, you know, again, advantage of nudging into places and they've got this special anchoring system now that doesn't damage ocean floors and all this sort of thing. So, I mean, it's quite spectacular looking vessel if you want to have a, a Google at it as well. Um, they're even doing the Antarctic's Bellingshausen Sea, of course, as well. Uh, so only got 135 staterooms and suites on it. They've even got an outdoor brazier with a wraparound heated pool, mm. a snow room and an indoor pool extended by a winter garden. So the ship has been designed to minimise her environmental impact, as I said, on the destination. And they've also got a laboratory on board to accommodate polar scientific missions. So her inaugural season is 21-22, and they've also got a selection of departures with a reduced single supplement for solo travellers of only 30% mm-hmm. of the yeah, rate, so which is something to look forward to as well. A lot of the other cruise companies are coming on board now, wanting to plan ahead. I mean, they've gone through strict cleansing protocols, all sorts of, as you can imagine. Um, North, uh, the Norwegian Caribbean line, Regent Seven Seas, which is a luxury cruise liner, 2021, 22, you know, things again could change, but they're offering reduced deposits with a balance only up to 15 days out, or 30 days out rather, and then a cancellation 15 days out, which is wonderful. So you've got the first time we've ever had such relaxed booking procedures. So it's worth considering. And then even if the cruise doesn't go ahead, you'll get a full cruise credit refund Mm. so you're really not going to lose out financially Um, and I think you'll find most of them will be doing this sort of booking system you know in the interim whether that will continue long term it may it may not if it encourages more people to book well they may decide you know to further it but for the moment anyway those are in place for you wanting to to experience cruising into 21 22 um with international air travel jane of course we still don't really know we're hoping for a pacific bubble to open early in the new year um for a lot of the other major international routes the earliest they're saying is july next year but that also could change um most of our states we're still not able to go into um you, at you, you stage, can at yes. this stage you can get a border permit to get into Northern Territory, but you can only apply for it seventy two hours prior. So if you wanted to fly in, mm. it would be almost impossible unless you're doing a driving holiday, maybe. Um, so yeah, there are still difficulties. I mean, we can just travel in our own state, the ACT. We're hopeful Lord Howe could be opening by around September, but they're already nearly fully booked for summer. People are hoping because it's going to be open. So if you wanted to go to Lord Howe next year or from the end of this year, I'd suggest... Think about it It's got limited accommodation on the (laughs) island, as we all know, and limited amount of people at any one time. So, you know, Mm. just just think about where you want to go. A lot of forward planning is required at the moment, I think, because we've got such limited places, but just as many people. So people are looking at those places, you know. And flexibility too. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.